John. Um, having individuals come alongside and help you build your testimony is, is key. Our main text comes from Matthew 18, verses 16 through 20. I'll give you a few seconds to find that. And I'm trying to preach from the stage today. That little thing right there. Yeah, I'm about to move. All right, cool. Just made the decision for All right. So uh, we are in Matthew 28. So uh, give you a few seconds to find it. And it will allow me to get resituated. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. When you have it, say amen. Put this somewhere because we can't break this. My budget is only so big. All right. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. I will read them until you're hearing. When the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of the word. So what are we talking about? What, what are we talking about in the text? We are talking about what is known as the Great Commission. Now, I've been in church for the entirety of my life. My mom almost had me in the church pew, you know, that's how I tell the story. My mom tells it a little bit different. But anyway, uh, so, so we're talking about the Great Commission. I've been in church almost my entire life, had no idea what, I know what the word great means. It means like amazing, but commission, what the heck does commission mean? And I find myself realizing that growing up in church, um, even though I had to fight to build my relationship with God, there were a lot of words that were used in church that didn't make sense to me, but were used rather often. Salvation, redemption, uh, any, any other words you all can think of? What, what, what words were used in church that maybe didn't make sense to you? Sanctifying. Yeah, grace, right. We throw, we throw those words out, you know, and there's no real, there's no real, we have a little bit of context, but nobody really, really breaks it down. Now, in the study of the word of God, and this is one thing that helps me, is that when you study the word of God, it's like a puzzle. Every word that is in the Bible is there on purpose. You get a deeper meaning of the Bible when you begin to have a dictionary next to you and the Bible next to you. Because when you read specific text and you look at the word and say, you know what? 
I don't know what that is. And then you grab a dictionary and say, well, let me look up the word righteousness. Oh, righteousness, be, being right with God. Okay, that makes sense now. So now when you see the word righteousness in the Bible, from now on, you will now know, okay, that means to be right with God. I had no idea what the word commission meant. I thought it was an old, you know, gospel R&B group from like the 90s. You know what I'm saying? Commission had a couple wine brothers on there. Oh, Jesus. All right, cool. <laughs> oh, man. Cool, good, man. All right. That's why I have my little binder. We're going to preach like this today. All right. So, <laughs> the word commission, let's dissect this in the word. Uh, because we serve a deep God with very rich meanings to the puzzle that is the Bible. So, when we dissect the text, what does the word commission mean? And instruction, a command, or duty given to a person or group of people. So think of it as a commission. Think of a commission as a command. So your mom commissions you to clean your room. You commission your kids not to stuff food in the back seat pocket, right? Now I mean whether they do it or not, it's going down, but. You know, you are commissioned to show up to work at 725 every morning in bad gym. Like that's your, you know, you are. So that is your duty. You are commanded to do that. So God has commissioned us. What are some of the other definitions of commission? Or a group of people officially charged with a particular function. So what did we just read in the text that we have been charged to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That is the charge. That is the command. That is our duty. That is our job. That is our job. To make disciples, to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. That is our command. We have been commissioned. We have been given a command. Not a suggestion. We've been given a command. Not a suggestion. There's a difference. When somebody gives you a suggestion on a recipe, then you know you can use it if you want. But when you are given a command on a recipe, that means if you don't do something a certain way, somebody might get with some food poisoning. You gotta cook the eggs all the way. That's not a suggestion. That is a command right there. You gotta fry that chicken all the way through. That's not a suggestion. That is a command. Don't eat that cheese that got mold on it. That's not a suggestion. That's a command. There's a difference. And I think the issue that we have with the Bible, especially nowadays in our sensitive culture, is that we take a lot of scripture as suggestion. You read it, you're like, well, I mean, I, can, I might be able to do that. Well, if I get time, I'll, I'll do that. It's not a, it's not a suggestion. It's a, it's a command. We don't really do well with commands because for many of us, we don't like somebody telling us what to do. Of how has your life worked out with the, with the commands you put on yourself? 
probably not too well if you ain't listening to individuals who know more than you have been, have gone farther than you, have done things that you would like to do. And, and that's one of the issues. We have a very, I know how to do things generation of individuals, but they get mad when nobody helps them out. Well, you pushed everybody away from you because you refuse to listen. We kind of struggle with taking commands. This, this commission thing is, is not a suggestion. We have been commanded to baptize, to create disciples. As Jesus' brothers and sisters and as God's children, see, Jesus had, he had 12 disciples, Andrew, the brother of Peter, Bartholomew, uh, Nathaniel, James, the older brother, James, the younger brother. That's like naming your kids all George Foreman. George Foreman did it. They call his boys George Foreman. John, Judas, Jude, Peter, Philip, Simon, Thomas, and Matthew who is the author of this book. He's a tax collector among the most despised citizens in society. Tax collectors did the dirty work and tax collectors also got rich off of extorting extra money from the individuals they were collecting from. Now think about this dude, his despised spot in society. How the heck? Is this guy allowed to write the 40th book of the Bible? He's a tax collector. How is he allowed to write the first book in the New Testament? He is despised by society. By people, by, by governments, by cultures. They don't like him, yet he has an opportunity to write. Don't look at yourself as if you were insignificant. Because those that the world counts out, God counts in. Matthew had an opportunity to say that people don't like me. So I'm not going to write. I'm not going to sit here at the feet of Jesus and share what I have what I have found to be true. See, he has moments in his, in his life where he could say, no, because people don't like me. But he was given a what? Command. He was commissioned. He wasn't given a suggestion. He was given a command. And therefore, that, that signifies Matthew's significance because he says, you know what? I'm not going to take this as a suggestion. I'm going to take this as a command no matter what people say about me, no matter what has been done to me, no matter what my place is. I have been commissioned to do a job and I will do it to its fullest. This is not a suggestion. If Matthew doesn't do what God has called him to do, we don't have Matthew as the first book of the New Testament. What have you been commanded to do? What has God spoken to you to do that you may be running from? What has God spoken to you to do that you are that you are doing and you realize that it may be one of the toughest things you've ever had to do, but you walking that thing out has made you better. The book of Matthew contains four events of Jesus' infancy, ten parables, two miracles. It is the 40th book of the Bible, 28 chapters, 1,000 
71 verses, 23,684 words. Why do I say all that? Because Matthew is significant. There are certain things in the first four Gospels of the New Testament. All these cats were around each other and they're writing about Jesus, but they write it from different perspectives. Every perspective matters. Matthew sees something. Mark sees something. All these individuals see something about Jesus. And when we read the New Testament, when we read the Bible as a whole, we see that all these pieces come together to make a full See, some of us, we are missing pieces because you refuse to do what God has commanded you to do. We're not fitly joined because you don't understand where you fit in the total pie. It's not up to you to understand. It's just up to you to do what God has called you to do because there are some of us that are doing things it doesn't make sense now. And it may not make sense to you before you die, but it will make sense to the individual you are leaving a legacy for. It will make sense for the people that will follow behind you that don't have to do all the dirty work that you had to do that we able to walk in your footprints and get it a little bit easier. Why? Because you follow the command. There are some of us in here, our job is to, is to sow the seed and to move on. There are some of us in here, it's our job to cover the seed over with dirt and then move on. It's some of us, it's our job to water the seed that has been put in the ground and to be covered over. It's our job to water and then move on. And then other individuals, it's just their job to watch. But it don't always make sense. It doesn't always make sense. God asks us to do things sometimes and we don't see the full picture. Guess what? If we saw the full picture, half of us wouldn't even do it. Because we wouldn't like what God was asking us. God, you're telling me to go back there. God, you're telling me to say that. God, you're telling me to do this. I got to stay on this toxic job with these toxic individuals. Man, I'm getting job offers left and right. Why I got to stay here? It is a command, not a suggestion. Because we don't always know what God got cooking in the kitchen. But it's okay. So I don't mind being, I don't have to be the master chef. I'm cool with being one of the servers. That's the problem with America today. We got too many hands in the pot trying to cook stuff. Like, man, get your hand off the spoon. You don't need to stir that right now. I'm just saying, follow the command. It's not a suggestion. We have been commissioned. And one of the things that I have to remind myself as a child of God being commissioned is that sometimes it feels like I am on an island by myself doing what God has called me to do. And there are many days where I'm tired. I'm tired of carrying everybody's weight. I'm tired of people texting me to do this and do that. Some days I wonder, God, can they call somebody else? Can they email somebody else? Can they text somebody else? And then I'm reminded of, of, of something that was brought to my attention a number of years ago. If they calling you, if they texting you, then they ain't got nobody else. You're the last line of defense. But I get tired. Of holding the line. 
It gets heavy some days. I want to pass it to somebody. Can, can, can you beat me for an hour, please, so I can get some sleep? Can you beat me for an hour so I don't have to stress about what's going to happen next to this person if I don't answer them quick enough? Can, can, can you beat me for a few minutes? Can you hold this for a little bit? But we have been commanded. And we don't have an option to just put this thing away. Why? Because people are counting on us. And we are not on an island. That's why we come to church. That's why we get around other believers. So that we don't get on the island. The difficult part with church is that even though you're here, do you know anybody in this building other than me? Some of us put ourselves on the island on purpose. Because we're afraid to communicate. We can't get mad at this present generation because they don't know how to shake hands and make eye contact and talk to people. You don't talk to nobody when you get up in here. That's right. But why do we do that? Are we afraid to burden people with our stuff? Are we afraid to meet somebody new? Do we have trust issues? Because we'll look around and we'll be on an island. And the crazy part is we'll be on an island and the island is full of people and we'll just be by ourselves around a bunch of people. Jesus had to walk with the disciples, man. Jesus walked with the disciples. Jesus walked with Matthew. My question to you is who is walking with you? Are you walking alone? It's not meant for you to walk alone. There are days when you feel lonely, but you are never alone. God has placed people in our lives for a reason. So that we don't have to take this, this thing on alone. Some of us were carrying so much, and it's not, we, we shouldn't have to carry all that on our own. We're supposed to carry a few things here and there on our own, but we ain't meant to carry everything on our own. To carry everything on our own is a choice that we make. You have individuals that are here that have been commissioned along with you that want to walk with you to help get the job done. It feels a lot better when I know I can call somebody to help me out. It feels a lot better when I know I'm not the only one in the fight trying to hold on to my sanity. It, 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 makes, it makes things a lot easier when I know I'm not the only one that lost that job. It makes me feel a lot better to know I'm not the only one in here grieving. It makes, it makes, me, it, makes it a lot easier for, for me to understand I'm not the only one dealing with trials and tribulations in specific areas. And it helps me with my duty. It helps me with, my, with the command that has been put on me when I know I'm not the only one going through. I'm not the only one that has to carry this thing. I'm not the only one that has trust issues. I'm not the only one that deals with depression. I'm not the only one that don't feel like getting out of bed. I'm not the only one that don't feel like going outside and hearing the birds chirping out about this 5 a.m. I'm trying to go to sleep. It feels good to know I'm not the only one. And there are too many of us in here that feel like we are the only one. And I'm telling you today, you're not the only one. You're not in this fight on your own. You've been carrying it by yourself for so long, you don't know what it feels like to have partners in this thing. And some of us, we had to carry it on our own because that's where we were for the moment. But the moment doesn't mean permanent. 
We have been commissioned. Children of God that are under attack by an enemy that don't sleep. Well, prayer don't sleep either. And some days just knowing somebody's praying for me, more than just I'm gonna pray for you. No, I'm gonna need you, I'm gonna need you to pray for me over the phone right now. Because you saying it don't mean enough. And we better not be the church with individuals say they're they gonna pray for you and they pray for you is just them saying they're gonna pray for you. That, that don't work, man. Because we got a real fight out here, man. We got a real Real fight out here. I don't know if you noticed, but we got two 17-year-old boys lost their life this week. They said they were robbing somebody's garage. They were just sitting in there smoking. And they lost their life. The margin of error for our kids is slim to none. Like literally, they can't, they can't, they can't mess up. And I'm not just talking black kids, I'm talking about all of our kids. They can't mess up. Because it's society that we have. It's tough out here. Had a young man come to me in jail. I had, you know, I'm a building sub. He came to me, Mr. Lewis, I'm having a rough day. What's wrong, man? My cousin got shot, man. Your cousin was the one who got, yeah, man. You know, he was over a couple days ago. He was just talking. Now he's gone, Mr. Lewis. You know, the shooting in the Oregon district was a few weeks ago. The individuals that have lost people, their grieving hasn't stopped. Some folks still ain't been back to work yet because they've lost a son. One of my wife's coworkers, her son-in-law was there and he got shot. The father of multiple children. So now these multiple kids don't have a daddy. Their grieving don't stop. To lose someone in the prime of their life. It's, it's, it's one thing to lose somebody who's very well seasoned and they've seen some life. It's different to lose somebody who hadn't even seen life yet. But that is a burden that individuals carry and we have been commissioned to pray for them and walk with them. Psalms 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. To know the word is to know Jesus and we walk with each other. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may Spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up, meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, the day is approaching, people. Yes. And we have to encourage one another. There's nothing like an encouraging word in the midst of some of your toughest defeats. Yes. 
Somebody just saying it's going to be all right. Somebody walking next to you and say, hey, you know, I thought about you this week. Hey, you on my mind, you on my heart this week. Is everything okay? See, we, we can't forget about this right here. It may seem really simple, but this is what gets us through the rest of the week sometimes. Meeting up. Getting a hug, getting a handshake so we can go off back in the battle. Because we've been commissioned. You don't have to walk alone. My question for you today, I'm not asking who you walking with. I'm asking who's walking with you. Yes, we're supposed to disciple. Yes, we're supposed to baptize. But who's discipling you? Because it starts somewhere. Some of us are giving out of an empty vessel. And when you're being discipled, you never go in. When somebody is walking with you, they encourage you and they build you up. They lift you up so you can get back into the fight so that you can give. Who's walking with you? That's right. Who can you call? Who can you lean on? Because we all need that. Who are you walking with? That's your challenge this week. You need to figure out who you're walking with and make sure they're a sturdy individual. Because I know some weak folk out here. You don't even walk with them anymore. <laughs> Let's disciple one another, walk together. You are not in the fight alone. You all lift me up on a consistent basis. When I come in here, it, like I get lifted up. Miss Barb gives me a hard time about not eating the grits. She been putting in the microwave for me. I be moving like a chicken with his head cut off. <laughs> Jeremiah, I got some grits in the microwave for you. Like, yeah, those are last week's grits. Oh my goodness, boy. Y'all lift me up, man. Y'all give me a hard time. Y'all keep me on my toes, man. I appreciate that. You know, it makes the commission a lot easier because we all have a role to play. I'm not LeBron James out here playing this game on my own. I have you all in the fight with me, and it makes it a lot easier. And even though I may have mantle of pastor, mantle of reverend, I am a human being. That's right. I get tired. I cry. I look in the sky some days and wonder, God, what the heck am I doing? Am I even doing it right? I'm not even answering all my emails. People trying to get me to do stuff, and I can't even find time in a day to be able to get it done. God, am I doing a good job? But then when I hear encouragement from you all, it makes me want to get back in the fight. Do you have that in your life? If you don't, then you need to get that. Church, we pray for us real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity for us to come together as family and friends. And to understand the Great Commission is not to, to walk alone, but to walk with brothers and sisters in Christ. Individuals who are here to pour into us.